Paranormal Radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. This episode of the Paracast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash Paracast. That's audiblepodcast.com slash Paracast. And now, on with the show. We return with Chris O'Brien, our co-host, a special guest where we're going to explore ancient legends and more about ancient astronauts and stuff like that, star people, later on the episode. As we prepare for the holidays, though, there was a fascinating story that came on the press. And this is an example of how expectations are quite often not realized in new stories. So consider this. NASA is going to have a press conference about some new discovery that might give us clues to E.T., extraterrestrial life. You know, really exciting. I mean, they got first-class coverage on the 24-7 news networks. Now, when you first heard about this announcement, Chris, what were you expecting? What did you think it was going to be? Well, I thought maybe something uh, had landed on the Kremlin uh, front lawn there uh, by Red Square or maybe the White House. Uh, they were going to have some sort of uh, mass... Uh, descending object uh, of a huge size land and and uh, that the occupants were going to be taken to our uh, leaders. But no, that turned out not to be the case, Gene. It turned out that this was basically a big disappointment. It wasn't quite what you expected it to be. Uh, no. Uh, I guess like with all these things, uh, it was just too good to be true. Okay, so let me paint the picture here. And I'm going to use one cable network. As an example, it doesn't matter which one because I think they were all the same. They assemble some kind of expert from a science magazine or a well-known scientist like Fox News had Mishu Kaku and what was it? CNN had Bill Nye, the science guy. And they were going to explain the impact of what all this means. So you have the cameras focused on this great announcement. They introduce this woman who's an astrobiologist. She talks about this great discovery that they found evidence of possible life forms with different chemical makeup. So instead of phosphorus, there's arsenic. Now, I did an editorial for the Paracast newsletter called Arsenic and E.T. <laughs> yeah, I guess you did. But to show you how important this was and how the networks were so thoroughly disappointed over what happened, imagine this. So what they do is they play about one minute of her announcement and they say, oh, it's just a bunch of chemicals. Who cares about that? That has to be in the minds of the producers and directors of this cable networks. They cut away so fast. <laughs> you can't believe how fast they cut away. It was like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Heavens to Murgatroyd. Exit stage right. left. Exit stage left. Maybe they were using bad words, nasty words. Arsenic? Oh, my heavens, is that all it was? Or as they say in that old song, is that all there is, my friend? You know, maybe we should well, get would, the booze it, it and have a ball. Monumental if, it would be monumental if they found arsenic as a, 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 a you know, the base ingredient of life on this planet. Because as we all know, we're a carbon-based, you know, uh, planet here. And uh, arsenic um, as a basic uh, component of life would be a big, big deal. I think the more important thing to consider also is 
as an alternative, all that means is that life can take on a greater number of forms. You don't have to look for life as we know it. It may mean that what we know about life is so limited, it can come in all sorts of forms. So-called Goldilocks planets may only be a small cross-section of what might happen or where life might be found. Not just the Goldilocks planet, but all sorts of planets that we would consider hostile to our form of life. And I think of that segment in the movie Contact with Jodie Foster. And finally, she's about to meet E.T., And E.T. masquerades as her dad because its true form would be beyond her understanding. But that also raises a larger picture about UFOs. If UFOs are E.T., maybe, again, they're showing us something, a projection, whatever, because we are not capable of understanding who they really are or what they really are. You got to hand it to Sagan. That was a real interesting and well thought out plot twist. The most important part of it, though, is he left it ambiguous, or at least the movie was ambiguous. You know, I can't say so much about the book. I didn't read the book. I saw the movie and they left it in a way that perhaps maybe she dreamed this. It may have been some kind of dream event. It didn't have to be a physical contact with an alien being. Well, that just kind of, I think there's a moral to the story, and that is uh, if the government claims they have a huge earth-shattering announcement, um, bring your blocks of salt. (laughs) Well, if they're going to do it, they could have basically made this announcement without all this pomp and circumstance, because what it means is that all your expectations of some significant development that affects everyone would be dashed. Now, yeah, if E.T. is here and they admit that, That's very important. If they say, well, E.T. may come in many forms. Okay. But if we don't discover that form, them, the intelligent species using that chemical makeup, it's just the first step in a long, long journey. Yep, that's true. I I still am wondering uh, where mushroom spores and mushrooms come from. They're unlike any other life form on the planet. And... Of course, mushroom spores uh, have been found to be able to withstand the uh, rigors of space, uh, you know, radiation, vacuum, that sort of thing. So, you know, I think there are other candidates on the planet uh, that uh, deserve, I think, more scientific inquiry. And um, I think Terrence McKenna was the one that came up with the idea that perhaps uh, transpermia uh, exists on the planet already in the form of mushroom spores. Of course, he he was particularly fond of the uh, psychoactive uh, form of mushrooms, but uh, but you know it just kind of goes to show that uh, you know there's a big universe out there, and we really don't know that much, and we can't assume anything. So instead of a movie about aliens called Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, it might be a movie called Attack of the Rotten Mushrooms. No, the tri- the trippy the trippy shrooms. Okay, well certainly now more and more science has to admit that life out there may just be more and more complicated than they expect. But isn't that the way of all discoveries? And what we learn, you know, it's like almost logarithmic. We discover one fact which leads to a million more. Right. Yeah, that's the art of asking creative questions. They tend to lead to more creative questions. And in the end, well, you know, if UFOs are ET, you know, there's still a lot to learn, a lot to discover. But... Again, we're still hearing the nonsense from the so-called exopolitics people. You know, I gather we're probably anticipating this would be it. You know, this would be the revelation. 
But I think NASA would be a poor agency for that. You'd want something higher up. I don't know. In any case, rather than focus on the possibilities of E.T. today, I gather we're going to focus, Chris, on E.T. way back when, whether they came amongst us, maybe they're still here. Tell us about our guest. Well, Gary David, I've known for a number of years now, and um, I first became aware of him uh, through his book called The Orion Zone, which is a a form of inquiry into ancient southwestern uh, United States cultures um, that looks at it from a naked eye astronomy, um, sort of archaeoastronomy point of view. And what Gary discovered is quite fascinating, that uh, all your main sacred sites, villages, and ceremonial areas uh, in the southwest are mirroring the constellation Orion on the ground. So if you look at a map of all these ancient Hopi sites... Uh, popularly known as Anasazi, which uh, is just a, a made-up term by science. Um, these Hopi uh, villages and sacred sites are arrayed in a perfect mirror image of the constellation Orion, and we're going to get into that today with Gary David because the implications could be could be thought-provoking. The guest is Gary David. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg, the whatever, and you're in the Paracast. As you know, the Paracast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks. With more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers, for listeners of the Paracast, Audible.com is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One book to consider, for example, is Above Top Secret, the worldwide UFO cover-up by Timothy Good. Timothy Good, as you know, has been a guest on the Paracast. Yet another book worth considering from Audible.com is Lies and Deception, UFOs and the Secret Agenda, from Timothy Good once again, and also from our old friend Nick Pope. As you know, Nick Pope has also been on the Paracast. This is another book that you're definitely going to want to check out. For this book or another free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash Paracast. That's audiblepodcast.com slash Paracast. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. Hi, this is Alex Jones. You've heard me talk about the delicious, easy-to-fix, and very storable foods from eFoodsDirect.com. I've told you for years that eFoods Direct has the best storable food on the planet. Now it's that time of year again, and their holiday special is here. 
They have two holiday price packs for you to put into your reserves for a secure future or to share with others. The first is a six-month bulk supply in 10 cans. And the second is a five-week supply of quick and easy-to-fix meals, including delicious bakery items shipped in heavy tote bags. Now, for a limited time, when you order two or more of these special holiday packs, you'll get free shipping on your entire order. Call now, 800-409-5633, or visit them at efoodsdirect.com forward slash Alex. That's 800-409-5633, or efoodsdirect.com forward slash Alex. Question, what would you rather drink? Acidic water, which burns holes in your body and causes loss of bone mass? Or alkaline water, which promotes high energy and vibrant health? The answer is clear. And if you're drinking acidic water, you're helping cancer cells and bacteria to grow out of control. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals. Using Plasma pH Drops is the best way to alkalize your water and help you get rid of acid and regain your health and energy. Simply put 10 drops in the water you drink to raise the pH to a healthy alkaline level. Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. Disease organisms like bacteria, viruses, or cancer cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops now by going directly to AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or by calling 269-409-1776. Again, 269-409-1776. On air, online, and on demand. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com Get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com We introduce Gary David, the co-host is Chris O'Brien, I'm Gene Steinberg, you're in the Paracast, and we're going to look at the ancients, the star people, and ancient prophecies. Now, Gary, I want to welcome you first to the Paracast, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Gene, good to be here. Okay, so... You have become fascinated by the American Southwest for, what, 23 years or so now. So why did this interest arise? How did it focus on the things that we're going to talk about? Okay, um, I've lived in uh, Arizona for about 15 years in northern Arizona. And uh, before that time, I lived in South Dakota, and uh, I taught on the Pine Ridge Reservation, and I uh, witnessed some of the ceremonies there, and, and um, this, especially the Sundance, and, and did some sweat lodges there and got involved with the Lakota Sioux in uh, South Dakota. Um, and I met with a, a woman named Charlotte Black Elk, and she was a, uh, the great-granddaughter of the famous Nicholas Black Elk that wrote the classic Black Elk Speaks and uh, at that time, she was talking about um, how um, constellations uh, in the sky, um, they, they relate on the earth to certain points, in the, especially in the Black Hills, which is the center of um, Lakota Sioux uh, spirituality. And uh, she was talking about a huge constellation uh, made up of um, Orion's belt. 
and the Pleiades and Sirius. Uh, and this was a celestial buffalo that was projected on uh, various points on the Earth. And um, this what, is that a celestial buffalo. What do you mean by that? The the buffalo, of course, is very important to the Lakota Sioux. It was a, the mainstay of their diet, and it was a basically a part of their godhead. There was a, a spiritual being that sacrificed itself for the for the uh, for the people, and they wanted to. Uh, you know, they they saw a, a huge buffalo in the sky. Uh, you know, the the backbone of this buffalo was Orion's belt. The uh, nose of the buffalo. Uh, were the Pleiades in Taurus, and the tail of the buffalo was Sirius in Canis Major. So this huge, uh, huge um, celestial buffalo that related to certain points on the Earth that they made migrations to uh, during the course of the year. And they made this huge uh, circular migration route um, around the Black Hills, going to these uh, specific places. Uh, on the earth doing certain ceremonies like the sun dance at specific places at specific times. So their their whole cosmology was connected, you know, that, that idea of as above, so below, that hermetic uh, dictum that um, uh, Trismegistes, uh, Hermes, um, <clears throat> was said to, uh, uh, you know, speak uh, many thousands of year, years ago in Egypt. They had that same sort of idea uh, that the um, the celestial was uh, directly uh, influencing uh, events on Earth and the places on the Earth. So this this was the first inkling that I had of this kind of uh, archaeoastronomy. This this idea that the ancient people saw the stars in a, a, di- a way different than we do today. Um, of course, they didn't have telescopes. It was all naked eye astronomy, and they had a kind of a spiritual connection to the stars and. Um, the star people that came to Earth. So, um, you know, it's a totally different way of looking at uh, the heavens. And this was the first that I had uh, thought about this. And um, I came uh, down to uh, northern Arizona, and I settled uh, here. And I started going to um, some Kachina dances up on the Hopi Reservation. Uh, I had... um, you know, I was driving along I-40 going up uh, up towards the three Hopi mesas where the, the Hopi still live. And I was I was gazing off to the to the northeast and uh, considering these three mesas. And I had just read the book by Robert Bouval called The Orion Mystery. And probably your listeners will be familiar with this book. It's... Um, it, it, the major premise of the book is that um, the three pyramids on the Giza Plateau correspond um, to the belt stars of Orion. And, so in ancient times, they were looking to astronomical evidence to develop these things, to build these great archaeological creations. You know, they, they, they wanted the sky, the earth to mirror the sky because they, they saw, you know, they saw gods in the heavens. Um, Osiris was con- the, uh, the god of the underworld was connected with the constellation Orion. And they wanted to um, honor this god by placing these pyramids in this particular pattern 
Um, the smallest pyramid is sort of offset. The one when you look at Orion, it's uh, on the right side, and it's kind of offset from the other two. And um, this was a deliberate an attempt to make the Earth and the sky match. And you know, I, I was driving up to the Hopi mesas and. I realized that, you know, the Hopi live on three primary mesas. They've lived there since about 1100 A.D. or or maybe a little bit before that, uh, building these pueblos on top of and at the base of the mesas. And I was wondering if this might might be another Orion correlation like the one in Egypt. And I sort of put that in the back of my mind and went up to the Hopi mesas and and saw uh, a dance there at one of the villages. And then um, I came back and um, I I got out my uh, sky charts and I got out the map and looked at the the ancient villages that the the Hopi had made and the villages they are currently living in and found out that there was a a village or ancient ruin corresponding to each major star in the constellation Orion. And this this really uh, astounded me. It's just uh, amazing that uh, there'd be this direct sky earth correlation and uh, they somehow built a a kind of a template and spread it across the arizona desert in the form of the constellation orion okay so one looks for cause okay is it because they're just emulating what they see in the skies and the heavens or because there's a larger picture that's being considered here well i i think uh, it's my understanding that orion is the most important constellation for the Hopi. It um, synchronizes their winter solstice ceremony. Um, they, the, the Hopi uh, have these ceremonies in, in kivas, which are underground prayer chambers. Uh, they, they descend into the earth and they do their ceremonies down there. But there's a hatchway overhead um, from which you can see the sky. And uh, when Orion comes into view in this hatchway, that's a signal to start the winter solstice ceremony. So the the stars and and the uh, the sun are are connected in that way. Um, so they're showing basically seasonal changes. We'll get into more of this in a moment. Our guest is Gary David. We're talking about the ancients, the prophets, star peoples, prophecies, all that stuff. The co-host Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack! Attack! of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. You worry. We do too, so that's why we made the new ofthefield.com website. 
New features include the ability to grow and expand, the free foragers forum, and an ultra-secure e-commerce platform. And now, extended until Sunday night, December 12th, take 10% off on everything in our learning resources area by using the coupon code NEWSITE. That's N-E-W-S-I-T-E, no spaces. With this new platform, it is our commitment to serve the foraging community with questions, tips, tricks, and advice freely asked for and given by all. In these times, the strong and principled must stick together, share information, and form bonds stronger than any food tyranny. Wild food is both free to own and free to take, and together we can keep it that way. So go to ofthefield.com and use coupon code NEWSITE or call 888-51-EAT-FREE and give the gift that gives for life. That's ofthefield.com or call 888-51-EAT-FREE. All of nature's bounty lies at your feet. Where have all the military surplus stores gone? Don't worry, you don't need one. Because everything you need at Military Surplus is at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com. One of the last surviving true military surplus stores in the country. Go online now to MainMilitary.com and discover a source for hard-to-find surplus items at true surplus prices. Surplus gun cleaning kits as low as $2.99. Complete chemical suits as low as $11.99. See our huge selection of gas masks, filters, and accessories. Finish M10 gas masks are three for $30, and Swiss filters are three for $12. Searching for Strike Anywhere matches? MainMilitary.com has them, plus a whole new product line of survival and first aid kits and lots more. Get free shipping on orders over $50 only at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com. Or call 877-608-0179, 877-608-0179. MainMilitary.com, the main name in military supply. Forget everything you've been told about long-term food storage. When all hell breaks loose, you'll need the single most effective way to get high-powered Delta Force nutrients to your family fast. Like any Special Forces Commando, you need a plan. You need a Black Hawk Down food plan. Introducing the Survival Sprout Bank from Solutions from Science. It's your countertop survival garden. Yes, grow fresh greens right on your countertop in just a few short days. Sprouts are the green shoots that emerge from newly germinated seeds, and they are powerhouses of living, easily absorbed nutrients. The Survival Sprout Bank is a complete kit with nothing else to buy. And with sprouts so easy to grow, even children can grow emergency food. Call 877-327-0365 or go to survivalsproutbank.com. That's 877-327-0365 or order online at survivalsproutbank.com. Survival Sprout Bank, your Black Hawk Down emergency food plan. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. This is Kurt Seven, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. We have Chris O'Brien as our co-host once again. He keeps doing it. He's going to continue to do it till he gets it right, but he tells me the same thing. He says, Gene, you've been a broadcaster for, what, two decades of your life. When are you going to figure out how to turn it from a practice to a profession? And I say to him, speak for yourself. No, we're kidding. Chris is a good person, and he's, the reason that he tolerates me is because he's about 130 miles or 150 miles away, and he can't just come over and beat me up or something like that. Is that right? Yeah, yeah something like that. I think the three of us now are arranged uh, in a Orion configuration. Gary's just over the hill in Prescott. <laughs> 
And we are talking with Gary David, the Focus Prophecy, Star People, all sorts of great stuff. Chris O'Brien, pursue this, please. Gary, I'm really thoroughly enjoying your latest book that just came out, The Kivas of Heaven. Uh, you were starting to describe the importance of the Kiva in the uh, people's um, everyday and seasonal uh, beliefs and, and the way that they actually use uh, the position of stars and the position of the sun to dictate very important aspects of their of their life when they plant when they when they when they uh, go ahead and harvest and uh, when they do their particular ceremonial dances their their kachina dances why don't you continue uh, with your description of the importance of the kiva and how this uh, has really given you some clues on on how to proceed with your work oh yeah thanks Chris. Um... Yeah, uh, in the uh, Western civilization, um, we we tend to build spires uh, piercing the sky and uh, going upward. But uh, the, the Hopi and other Pueblo people, they uh, they went downward into the earth as as a source of uh, spirituality, um, and they built these. Uh, well, the first kivas were were actually round. Um, you can see these at places uh, like Chaco Canyon in New Mexico. Uh, they built a lot of kivas there. Um, the Hopi um, later on started to use rectangular kivas, but uh, the the function is basically the same, um, and it has certain elements. All the kivas have certain elements. Um, for instance, there's an overhead hatchway that I mentioned before, that uh, and you you crawl down uh, into the kiva through a ladder, and um, you uh, there are uh, like a, a fire pit in the middle, and uh, there's a kind of a wind uh, a ventilation shaft uh, for for wind to feed feed this fire pit, and then there's uh, what's called a sipapu. It's a little hole in the floor, and it, it it's kind of symbolic of a link to the to the underworld and it's I, I conceptualize it as kind of a uh, a native american subway system you know kind of a spiritual subway system that you go down through this sepapu and uh, every kiva has one and you you go down into the underworld through this uh, this this hole it's kind of like a wormhole that links you to the underworld so and, and this is really important this is important to them too because uh, in the southwestern tradition of the Pueblo peoples, the idea of the Sapapu or the place of emergence is, is extremely important. This is where the natives are led underground just before the earth is going to cleanse itself, and they're protected underground while this process is, is occurring, and then Creator allows them to, to reemerge back into this world. So that is your direct link between the the modern version of the Sapapu and how how it symbolically is uh, extremely important for the survival of, of the people. I guess that was a question. <laughs> yeah, um, the, the, you know, the, there's a, an actual um, geological formation in the, in the Grand Canyon, and it's called the Sipapu or Sipapuni. Um, it's a tra- actually a travertine dome. Um, it's a kind of a limestone formation. Uh, it's probably you know probably seventy five feet in diameter, and there's a hole right in the in the center of it, um, and uh, 
Uh, it is said that the Hopi emerged from this this particular spot. It's located on the the north bank of the Little Colorado River, just before it uh, flows into the the uh, the Colorado River in the Grand Canyon. And it's said that the, the Hopi uh, emerged from this hole, um, from what they call the Third World. That's the previous era or, or world that they lived in. And they came up through this hole and they uh, c- crawled out of the Grand Canyon and began to populate the Colorado Plateau. So this is an actual you know, place that you can, you can see it on, the, on Google Earth. Uh, it's, it's clearly uh, visible. You can see this, this dome with a hole in the center of it and um the the hopi uh, used to make pilgrimages to this place uh to gather ritual salt and um in fact they they call grand canyon salt canyon rather than than uh, grand canyon but this this is you know uh, this is symbolized in the in the kiva itself this this link to the underworld the uh the prior existence that the people had, and it's interesting to note that the Hopi consider, uh, you know, after death, they go back to this subterranean place, this uh, this underworld, um, to live an existence there, and in, in some cases they uh, they they come out of the the underworld and form clouds and. Uh, the, the uh, cloud spirits, I would, I, I guess you'd call it, and they they come back to the the Hopi mesas to bring rain to the people. But you know, it's it's a, just an amazing cosmology that's totally different than the way uh, Western civilization looks looks at the world. It's it's amazing, you know, sky, earth, underworld, this tripartite. Um, um, uh, construction of the cosmos you know i wanted to look at perhaps at inspirations here sources of inspiration so what is it that you think might have inspired these concepts just observing the skies and pondering what it all means or something more direct well i mentioned the uh, the um the template on the on the arizona desert that that mirrors the constellation orion and uh, there's a god named Masau. It's uh, the god of the underworld. Um, he's also the you know the god of the earth and the god of fire. Um, some Hopi don't like to talk about Masau because he's a rather spooky-looking character. You know, he has a a, a large uh, large round eyes and a, and a round mouth, and his head is very uh, large and bulbous, kind of, uh, you know, uh, it's, and it's bald, and it re- resembles, the texture resembles a, a summer squash, kind of, kind of bumpy. And um, his feet are very long, and his, and his uh, forearms are long, and, and his body is gray, uh, and he's connected with death, the underworld, and very kind of frightening things. So that's why some hope he won't even uh, talk about Masao at all. The, the, the word Masao, uh, the root of the word is moss, which literally means gray. And if you look at, you know, artist renditions of this... Wait a minute, the word mosque means gray? No, moss, M-A-S. Oh, moss, I was saying moss. Why is he talking about... I'll tell you what, I have a lot to learn about (laughs) ancient uh, prophecies and ancient history, as we know, you know, 
I am a professor of ignorance, as I plead to many people. If you have comments, by the way, about the Paracast, go to forum.paracast.com. Forum.paracast.com. Join up, participate. You're able to basically pose questions for guests of future shows. Talk amongst yourself. Enjoy the fun. We're having fun with Gary David, talking about the ancients in all their glory. And one more thing. We have a newsletter, Neighbors. To learn more about it, go to newsletter.theparacast.com. Once again, that's newsletter.theparacast.com. We give you updates on the current and future shows. And I have a special editorial each and every week. One of my fearless editorials, as a matter of fact. Once again, that's newsletter.theparacast.com. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in The Paracast. Fate Magazine provides true reports of the strange and unknown. Keep up with the latest on angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, life after death, and much, much more. To receive your free issue of Fate Magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Hi, this is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. I'm concerned about food for my family in the event of an emergency, and I know you are too. Are you ready? Don't wait for an emergency to happen. Put a plan together now with quality dehydrated food from Ready Reserve Foods. For nearly 40 years, Ready Reserve Foods has been in continuous operation canning the finest in dehydrated foods. Other companies just broker canned foods. Ready Reserve is the manufacturer controlling quality from start to finish with double enameled cans and nitrogen packing for maximum shelf life. Ready Reserve offers a balanced selection of fruits, vegetables, dairy products, proteins, and grains. Choose from a variety of pre-selected units or order by individual can to customize your own plan. When you purchase from Ready Reserve Foods, you are buying factory direct at wholesale prices. Call today for a free catalog, 1-800-453-2202 or visit readyreservefoods.com. Call 1-800-453-2202. Ready Reserve Foods. Factory direct. Wholesale pricing. Becoming a modern smoker is now easier and more cost-effective, thanks to LeSig. Traditional smokers the world over love LeSig. E-cigarettes with a look, feel, and taste of real cigarettes, but without the nasty smoke, ashes, or stains. LeSig is powered by revolutionary microelectronic technology. A small, rechargeable battery and unique replaceable cartridge provide all the satisfaction and benefits of smoking without the smoke and all the hazards. See the large variety of LeSig e-cigarette supplies and accessories at LeSig.com. That's L-E-C-I. 
LASIG.com. LASIG is competitively priced, comes with the best customer service, a 30-day warranty, and satisfaction guaranteed. What a great gift idea. For a 10% discount, mention GCN when you call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Ask for fast, free, same-day shipping. Order online at LASIG.com and use promo code GCN at checkout. That's L-E-C-I-G.com. LASIG for today's modern smoker. It's the winter cold and flu supplement sale at HerbalHealer.com. Take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on the best cold and flu supplements available. Many of you know elderberry is exceptional against viral infections. Right now, Herbal Healer Academy has elderberry power. Regularly priced at $16.95, now incredibly low at only $10 for 60 vegetarian caps. For children and seniors, our Herbal Healer Academy Flu Away Elderberry Liquid is only $13 for a 4-ounce bottle. Also on Super Sale, olive leaf capsules, oregano oil plus capsules, and our incredible Respirate Formula, Oregacillin Physician Strength Capsules for your lungs. Normally $34.95, now just $25. Hit the winter specials link at HerbalHealer.com for these cold and flu supplement specials and other on-sale products like apple cider vinegar, brain power, and neuro recovery. New customers get a free catalog with your first order. Log on and hit the winter specials now at HerbalHealer.com. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're in the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. We return. Chris O'Brien is the co-host. Gary Davis, the guest. The ancients are under discussion. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. And now, Chris, will probe further into what all of this might mean. Well, Gary, I, I find the descriptions of Masao very, very interesting. You're, you're describing what many people uh, would kind of equate to a taller, skinnier, kind of uglier version of your almost typical uh, gray alien type, um, although Masao, I think, is much taller uh, in depictions that I've seen. Uh, why don't you continue uh, talking about Masao and how he looks and, and what your thoughts are on this uh, potential correlation? Well, that's, that's the first thought that I had when I saw, uh, you know, a, the artist's rendition of, of this, uh, this god, and, uh, you know, it's it's... It's pretty striking, the, you know, the, the fact that, that his name would, would mean gray, uh, you know, in, in Hopi. Uh, actually, you know, uh, kind of a, a death-like pallor, I guess, uh, the, the Hopi wanted to describe him like. And, uh, but, you know, uh, Masao has some positive things, too. Uh, Masao uh, taught the Hopi how to uh, plant corn um, and... Uh, Live a very simple life uh, using uh, dry farming with uh, without irrigation for the most part. Um, so Masao uh, had some some good points. Not just uh, he's not just a threatening god. And uh, Masao was there at the beginning when they set off on their migrations at the beginning of the fourth world. Uh, when the you know, when the Hopi crawled up from the Sipapu out of the Grand Canyon and across the uh, Colorado Plateau, um, and started to migrate, and uh, and they started to build villages uh, across uh, across Arizona and across the Southwest, and uh, Masao supposedly accompanied them 
in these very early migrations. And uh, he possibly even uh, told them where to build a particular village, instructed them how to, you know, uh, where to build a, a, a pueblo. Uh, you know, a pueblo is a kind of like a, 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 an apartment building made out of stone, you know, one of the first apartment buildings, you know. In fact, uh, in, in Chaco Canyon, one of the main uh, ancient Pueblo sites, um, Pueblo Bonito was the largest structure, you know, structure in the world uh, until around in, until the 1880s when New, New York uh, had an apartment complex that they built there in, in the 1880s in New York. So, How large are we talking about here? Uh, it was about 800 rooms. Uh, it was a massive kind of uh, uh, structure, and there are a number of these pueblos in this, uh, you know, in this canyon. And uh, they started going in uh, Chaco Canyon. Uh, the the culture really started to get going in around the 10th century. Um, and it's uh, if you've ever been to uh, northern New Mexico, you know how dry and barren it is. There are no uh, no rivers nearby. I mean, they they built this this place seemingly in the middle of nowhere, as we as we like to say. Um, it's it was, definitely in the middle of nowhere today. <laughs> yeah, you have to go down a, a you know a dirt road to get to the park. It's a national park, and once you get to the park, there are paved roads. But you have to go down these pretty rough roads uh, that get washed out frequently, and it's about twenty miles down these dirt roads to get to this this uh, this site. And but you know, there like I said, there are a number of huge pueblos that uh, were built in this particular canyon. Um, and, you know, it's my understanding that, uh, or my belief, perhaps, that you know, Masao kind of instructed them to build here um, because in the template that, you know, I, I've discovered in the course of a, uh, a dozen years or so of researching this, I found that Chaco Canyon corresponds to the star Sirius. Um, wow, that's that's pretty uh, that's pretty important. Now, looking at the map of the area of the southwest, and then overlaying the actual locations of the villages, it almost appears to me that the only way that you could do that and do it to the degree of accuracy that we see is if you were actually up in space viewing the Earth from high above. Do you think that there's a possibility of some sort of ET influence in the actual uh, or some sort of aerial? Uh, perspective that may have helped the Indians place these important sites where they are today? Uh, yeah, I definitely think that um, you had to be up above the earth in order to get a sense of this this whole um, this whole pattern on the Arizona desert that, that forms the constellation Orion. And the Hopi have a lot of legends about uh, what they call Patuvota or flying shields. And um, these uh, uh, kachinas, which um, some of your listeners might be uh, familiar with, the kachina dolls, and uh, the Hopi still have kachina dances. These are uh, these are spirit beings that um, that uh, are you know come in many different forms. Um, if you go to a kachina dance, you'll see a lot of different weird masks, uh, you know, cylindrical, uh, circular. There's a lot of feathers, and, and some of these creatures have bug eyes, and, and some, uh, some have uh, slits uh, that look, like in, look almost like helmets. Um, 
that are worn by by aliens, you know. Um, but these Kachina uh, dancers, they perform these dances in the springtime, and uh, starting about April, late April, going through um, past the summer solstice into July, and then then they they stop having the dances. But these these beings that they're um, commemorating, um, supposedly in legends, the, the Hopi um, s- said that they um, they piloted these flying shields, and they frequently came down to the mesas. And some of these um, some of these creatures even took uh, Hopi brides and mated mated with the women. And much like, you know, in the Bible, you have the watchers coming down from the sky. Right, and finding the daughters of man fair. Yeah, the, the sons of God mating with the daughters of men to produce these Nephilim or, or these giants in the earth. And this is essentially, you know, what was going on in the American Southwest. You had these Kachinas coming down. Um, they say that the Kachinas used to come in the flesh they used to be physical beings but now they only come in spirit because uh, we've uh, the society has been corrupted and and the world is basically going to hell so basically these beings are no longer around and we see just visions of them we see yeah they're they're uh, we see they come in the in the spirit form rather than you know a physical manifestation so that's saying that therefore in ancient times they met up with these physical creatures yes that came down on these craft and um there's there's a a story that's really touching um there's a, a a pair of twins, uh, a girl and a boy, and uh, they were escaping a great flood. And um, that sounds familiar too. But um, they um, they had to leave their village, and the parents in this in the commotion they they left them behind. So um, the the boy and the girl started off on a journey to find the parents. And the first night they camped out in the desert and they saw this a huge flying shield come down and um, set down on the desert. And this creature came out of it. Um, and this creature uh, is described as having a face that, that shone like a star. And the creature supposedly had um, clothing that. Let me like interrupt you for a second, Gary. Shown sure. like a star. Are we saying it glowed? It, yeah, it, it uh, you know emitted some sort of light. The face emitted some sort of light. Maybe you know, kind of like a spiritual being or a space a, helmet. Or a space helmet. Yeah, if you want to take the, the you know, there's. You can have this, you go back and forth on whether they were physical or whether they were spiritual, you know, and that's a constant debate, even among a UFO, uh, ufologists today, you know, whether we're dealing with interdimensional beings or actual physical spacecraft. But, you know, this creature had, you know, clothing that, that um, it described as looking like icicles. And a reminder, if you want to tell us what you think about us, about the show, about the guests, and maybe to suggest some guests for the future, we do welcome your email. We don't consider it spam. We want to hear from you. 
The address is news at thepowercast.com. That's news at thepowercast.com. We can't promise we'll answer all the letters, but I assure you we read everything. I'll tell you what, let's talk about the clothing. And let's talk about this vision or experience in more detail in a moment. Gary David joins us. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in The Paracast. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Hour two of the Paracast with Gary David exploring ancient legends and mysteries. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. So we're talking about... The uniform or garb these creatures wore, let's go back to that description. You know, this is, this is kind of like a metaphor, I guess, or, you know, the, the, the clothing looked like icicles. And to, to a, a primitive people who never saw metallic, you know, objects or stuff, they would describe a, a metallic uniform as looking like icicles, you know, glistening and, and, and glinting in the sunlight like icicles would. Sounds like the creatures that George Adamski saw, <laughs> silver uniforms. <laughs> it, Michael it, Rennie it, it, from Day the Earth Stood Still landed in ancient times. I'm being silly, but listen to the concept. You know, it's it's t- totally uh, believable, you know, um, that Native Americans would describe, um, you know, uniforms like that, silver uniforms, as glistening like icicles. And this creature um, took these children up into the sky in the flying shield, and they looked down across the earth, and they saw the village that their parents had escaped to. And the creature, um, you know, was a benevolent creature. It gave the children um, melon to eat and corn. And uh, finally, the, the saucer or craft sat down right next to the village where the parents had been. And the children uh, got out of the craft and were reunited with the parents. So, uh, you know, this is the one instance that uh, a sky god came down uh, and helped, uh, helped these uh, two children, these twins, escape peril so you know does the legend say that the star god or whoever he or it was communicated with them and somehow oh uh, yeah the, the the star god said that the, that he would come later on in their dreams um to to give them uh 
information and to give them ways to live correctly, um, uh, to live um, by the ways of the Creator. So there was. Do we have any sort of time frame on this? Uh, do we have any idea how soon after the emergence that uh, this this occurred? Was it fairly early on, or is this something that's more uh, recent? Well, this this must have been very early. Uh, but there again, the Hopi are, from my understanding, are never really specific about about dates. Unlike the Maya, which are very precise about, you know, getting specific dates, the, the Hopi just say, you know, it was long, long ago or, you know, in ancient times or their their whole their whole idea of time is, is sort of different than the way we conceive of it anyway. So uh, Well, it's actually highly unique. I think they're one of the only cultures that really have no uh, future or past tense in their language. Everything is pretty much an eternal now. It's 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 yeah you're right it's in the present, but um, there's also kind of a mythic time that's that gets recirculated into you know it's a whole cosmology that deals with uh, the cornstalk and the uh, the vertical axis of the cornstalk and how this is kind of like an axis mundi and time is recycled into this this axis when it you know it, it comes into being and then it's recycled you know uh, I have a picture in my book the key was of heaven that uh, kind of a model of the way that uh, Benjamin Worf, a linguist who studied the Hopi in the, in the 30s I believe, uh, he, he um, came up with uh, the way that the, the Hopi conceptualized the universe and I've, I've tried to, to, to um, present a graphic that would show what was happening when t- you know, time comes into being and then it gets recirculated into this, you know, this this source of everything, which is represented by the corn stalk. Yeah, one thing that I want to point out uh, at this point, too, is uh, in the last few years, um, I've become more and more involved in researching the, the uh, Zuni culture, which you could almost equate as being the Hopi's little brothers. And we had Clifford Mahuti, who is an elder of the Zuni tribe, um, on the program, and he mentioned that uh, uh, there were some uncanny parallels between the Zuni belief system and how it's very, very, very similar, if not exact in some sense, uh, to the Hopi version. So, you know, we're dealing with the two primordial cultures in North America, I think, uh, when you uh, discuss the cosmology of the Hopi and Zuni. Well, why don't you con- yeah, go ahead, Gary. Yeah, I was going to say that the, the Hopi and Zuni, they have different languages, of course, but, you know, the, they have similar ceremonies like... Um, the, the the Hopi have a, a shalako kachina, and it's this very tall kachina, just like the Zuni have a, a shalako, uh, the shalako um, ritual in December, and they have these tall beings that go through the plaza, and um, you know there's a lot of similarities between Hopi and Zuni because they're not, they're uh, not not uh, separated by very very much distance, so um, they're. They had a lot of interaction, I'm sure, in, in, in early times. Well, this kind of reminds me of some stories that I've heard uh, over the past five or six years that concern the arrival of flying shields onto the reservation, uh, uh, most specifically in the, I guess it would be the northwest corner of the Hopi Reservation and also uh, just over the border into the Navajo Reservation where where you know, remote hogans or remote uh, dwellings would be visited by these uh, these strange beings coming down from the sky. And, and Tom Dongo, who is a uh, investigator, a local investigator here in the Sedona area, 
um, has interviewed extensively some of these witnesses to these events. And it seems to me, based on these descriptions, that we're seeing some sort of recent ramping up of activity, uh, aerial activity around the reservations. Of course, it's very difficult to mm-hmm. to go on the res and start asking uh, <laughs> questions. <laughs> a nosy white boy in a black cowboy hat doesn't quite get very far. But uh, have you heard any, any sort of uh, rumblings about uh, a heightened sense of uh, activity and possibly expectation on the reservation? Well, uh, you know, back in the 70, in, in 1970, in fact, um, there was kind of a rash of UFO sightings around the uh, town of Prescott, Arizona. And, um, you know, hundreds of these sightings were seen, and some of the Hopis even came out to the, from the reservation to the town of Prescott and, and witnessed these things. Um, and uh, there's a, a geological formation in, in the Prescott area known as Thumb Butte. And Thumb Butte looks like um, the uh, Devil's Tower that's depicted in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, that same kind of uh, lacolith that comes out of the earth. And, uh, you know, this was kind of a, a magnet for UFOs during that time. But, yes, I, you know, I've heard uh, that um, people are seeing more and more sightings in recent times uh, on the reservation around the—I the, read recently— uh, an article in the in the Navajo Hopi Observer about, in fact, about uh, the, the sighting in the, around Loop, uh, Loop, Arizona, right? Loop, yeah, Indian Loop. Wells Loop, yeah, right, yeah. There was and there, this uh, craft was. Uh, one woman said it was like as big as the school gymnasium. You know, this craft that hovered for you know over an hour in this area, and you know, and they multiple witnesses uh, were seeing this. So, you know, I think a lot of the elders would say that this is kind of the sign that the, that the fourth world uh, is coming to an end. When, when you see these constant visitation by these, uh, these uh, spirit, spirit beings or uh, perhaps physical, physical craft, um, this is a sign that uh, you know, we're getting close to the end of the fourth world. Um, hmm. So if I'm doing a tour up to the Grand Canyon and I see on the cliffs above the uh, Sapapu a bunch of uh, uh, RVs and teepees and uh, <laughs> tents and stuff, it's time to uh, maybe get my uh, affairs in order and start heading to the Sapapu, huh? Well, that's, you know, that's the safe <laughs> safe area that they say, you know, if you, uh, you leave the cities and, and go up to the Hopi land, and this is the place that's going to be spared, if if anything, you know, between Grand Canyon and the Hopi mesas, mm-hmm. this area. So, uh, you know, this, <laughs> it, it might it might come to that, you know, when the cities collapse and you know, we're out of the... Uh, oil and out of gas and out of food you know the Hopi live a very simple life or, or at least they try to it was getting increasingly more difficult to live in the old ways using the dry farming method and growing corn and so forth we kind of changed that in our modern civilization Gary David's the guest Chris O'Brien's the co-host I'm Gene Steinberg you're in the Paracast a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena 
when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. As many people know, ever since President Nixon took us off the gold standard, the U.S. dollar has been devaluating. What people don't know, however, is how this directly affects your personal finances. Is there a way to protect your portfolios from losing value? The answer to all of this is gold and silver. They both have maintained their purchasing power for 6,000 years. If you had $100,000 in cash and $100,000 in gold and silver back in 1913 and kept them until now, your cash would have the buying power of only $4,800. But your gold and silver would have the buying power of $3 million. The answer to protecting your assets is simple. Call John Ballman today at 1-800-686-2237, extension 169. Get all your questions answered before your money is worth zero. Call 1-800-686-2237, extension 169. Take action today while we still accept paper dollars for gold. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 169. What is the number one secret to all your health problems? I'll give you a hint. Dr. Alexis Carroll kept chicken heart tissue alive for 28 years in a test tube. He said the cells remained youthful so long as the metabolic wastes were washed away, but that when wastes were allowed to accumulate in and around the cell, the cell would age and then die. So the key to radiant health is cellular cleanliness and the key to keeping your cells clean of chemicals, free radicals, and heavy metals that we are bombarded with in our society is glutathione. This master antioxidant is required by everyone every cell of the body. Glutathione levels decline due to toxicity and aging. The number one food to replenish your body's glutathione levels up to 64% or more is unheated, grass-fed whey protein powder. This miraculous superfood may do more for your health than any other supplement you've ever taken. To get your free report of the best whey protein powder, call 888-988-3325 or visit oneworldway.com. That's oneworldwhey.com. You worry we do too, so that's why we made the new OfTheField.com website. New features include the ability to grow and expand, the free foragers forum, and an ultra-secure e-commerce platform. And now, extended until Sunday night, December 12th, take 10% off on everything in our learning resources area by using the coupon code NEWSITE. That's N-E-W-S-I-T-E, no spaces. With this new platform, it is our commitment to serve the foraging community with questions, tips, tricks, and advice freely asked for and given by all. In these times, the strong and principled must stick together, share information, and form bonds stronger than any food tyranny. Wild food is both free to own and free to take, and together we can keep it that way. So go to ofthefield.com and use coupon code NEWSITE or call 888-51-EAT-FREE and give the gift that gives for life. That's ofthefield.com or call 888-51-EAT-FREE. All of nature's bounty lies at your feet. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. We want to hear from you. 
If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out on iTunes. We have more time to spend with Gary David looking at ancient mysteries. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Paracast. A couple of things occur to me. When you talk about all these legends, Hopi, Zuni, Indians, etc. Now, the Zunis, they transfer data stories verbally. Or basically, somebody tells somebody who tells somebody. Does the Hopi do the same thing? Yeah, the, the Hopi uh, are, uh, didn't have a, a written language. Um, and uh, most of the Pueblo people didn't, well, all of the Pueblo people didn't have anything written, unlike uh, the Maya in, in uh, Central America and in New Mexico. Um, so it's, it's all uh, kind of uh, legends passed down through the generations. But they do have, uh, you know, uh, rock art or, or petroglyphs, rock carvings and rock paintings that you go, can go to and see some of these. You know, I've seen uh, pictures of... Um, uh, what are called uh, ant people that they've been in the media uh, recently I noticed that the, the people are talking about the ant people um, and I've seen petroglyphs of these rock carvings of these uh, right here in Arizona why, why and, don't you give us an idea of who the ant people are in their tradition that's pretty important I think right yeah um, well the ant people supposedly um, were um, helped the Hopi survive two major cataclysms: um, the uh, destruction of the first world by fire, and the destruction of the uh, of the second world by ice. Um, the first world destruction might be something like uh, volcanism or uh, or uh, an asteroid strike or some you know major kind of uh, um, fire event that happened in very ancient times. And uh, the the ant people help the Hopi um, go into caverns, into subterranean caves, and survive. Um, the second world was um, destroyed by ice, some kind of major ice age, or, or a very very cold period in Earth's history. And the people went down into the caverns. And the ant people led them down into these caverns, and they helped them. Um, they help them um, sprout beans. Um, beans are, are are one of the traditional uh, dietary mainstays. Or hydroponic farms under the earth. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, yeah, Gene. Uh, that's exactly right. You know, these in these caverns, you you can't grow anything. You have to sprout uh, these beans. And this um, these beans are are sprouted to this day in the kivas in the underground prayer chambers. And they have what's called a bean dance in February to commemorate this time when the ant people helped the Hopi survive in these underground caverns. What interests um, me most when we talk about all these legends, Gary, is not just the ubiquity, but the similarity. I mean, we can find talks about disasters, floods, etc., visits by some kind of advanced or higher beings. They're all so similar. It's like they all have this same basic cause or do we have loads of higher beings and disasters occurring to different races at different times? 
Well, you know, I think there's a there's a cultural similarity because the influence was the same globally throughout the earth. We were being visited by these creatures. They're coming down and interacting with humans. Uh, one example of this is, you know, the the actual word uh, for ant in Hopi is Anu, and the word for friend in Hopi is Naki. So you put the two together, the Anunnaki, the ant friends, help the Hopi. And, of course, this is from a Sumerian uh, mythology, the Anunnaki, the sky gods that came down to Earth. Shades of Zachariah Sitchin. Exactly, exactly. Uh, rest his soul, yeah. Okay, so the ant people come here in ancient times, and we're all talking about these insectoids. And that takes us back to the concept of some of the greys being a little insect-like in their demeanor or their appearance. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of this. These uh, cryptozoological creatures in in myths and and the kachinas reflect this today. Um, there are a lot of giant kachinas in in Hopi Hopi dance. You know, there are a number of giant kachinas and and um, in my new book, The Kivas of Heaven, I have a chapter about giants and especially living in the area I mentioned before, Chaco Canyon, as kind of a, a, a center for uh, activity of, of giants um, and the, these are you know f- fierce and terrifying uh, creatures um, in fact they've, they've even found in, in Chaco Canyon they found um, petroglyphs, uh, rock carvings that, of footprints with six toes on them and they found handprints with six fingers now in the Bible uh, it says that uh, the giants Supposedly had the were six fing, had six fingers and six toes, and they've even found archaeologists have found in in uh, Pueblo Bonito in Chaco Canyon they found a six toed foot bone. So this is not just an imaginary uh, thing that some guy with a stone was just you know, chipping away and thought, well, I think I'll make a footprint with six toes. You know, that would be interesting. You know, it was actually you know probably depicting this this uh, human, perhaps a giant, um, with six uh, six toes uh, on each foot. So uh, you know that you have these you know creature and you know Chaco Canyon was a place where. They have the archaeologists have have discovered looking through the the bones that they've unearthed. They have the largest; uh, they were the tallest beings or humans in the area. You know, not to say that they were you know eight foot giants or anything, but they were taller than the rest of the the population. Um, you know, the the average height of a male in uh, about eleven hundred A.D. or or ten hundred A.D. was about five feet. And they found, you know, skeletons that are a good foot taller than that. So basically speaking, I'm 6'2". If I went to ancient world and I visited these people, I'm the time traveler. Yeah, you'd play center. (laughs) I play center, but, you know, I'm a modestly tall guy. They would consider me a giant. They would, yeah, yeah, and um, you know that they, they, you would probably be revered, and uh, you know this. Uh, some of the most elite burial sites are found with these large skeletons. And they, so maybe they, I'm in the wrong place here. Maybe I should get that time machine and go back to the ancient <laughs> world, and you know I could live it up. Of course, I might only live to 45 years old, 
or something like that. But well, no, that in, be fa- some in time. fact, Gene, in fact, uh, the the um, the life expectancy was more like thirty years old. Right. You know, and if you were if you lived to fifty, you'd be you know just really ancient at at that time period. So uh, you know. For late Dang, 20- even I feel old. Listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know the the nutrition uh, was was different back then. They had a hard time uh, just eating corn, beans, and squash to get the um, the nu- nutritional value, the the iron uh, that they needed in the blood. In fact, there was a, there's a lot of iron deficiency anemia found in uh, archaeological sites in in, in the southwest. Um, it's it's said for for um, the area around Chaco Canyon, it was about eighty uh, percent of the people had this iron deficiency anemia. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares—nightmares nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world, a woman not yet born calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack Attack. of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack Attack. of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over five years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today completely with two black Berkey elements for only $209, and the Berkey guy will include three sport Berkey water bottles and ship everything to you free of charge. That's right, three sport Berkey water bottles and free shipping. An $87 value, yours free. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Do you want to get away from additives and preservatives in your food? Need alternatives to conventional food preparation? Do you want to save the fruits of your gardening labor? And are you looking for an excellent gift idea? Then check out the Excalibur Dehydrator. Dehydration is one of the healthiest, most cost-effective, and fun ways to feed yourself and your family. Make healthy snacks like fruit roll-ups and beef jerky. Store healthy food in case of an emergency with no added salts, fats, or preservatives. And save hundreds of dollars by drying it yourself with the Excalibur Dehydrator. The Excalibur Dehydrator comes with an industry-leading exclusive 10-year warranty. And when you order, you'll receive a free book filled with amazing easy recipes. 
recipes at $25 value free for a limited time. Just mention coupon code GCN. Learn more and order your Excalibur dehydrator today at drying123.com. That's D-R-Y-I-N-G-123.com. Drying123.com. Or call 1-800-875-4254. That's 1-800-875-4254. Season's greetings and health and wellness from Excalibur dehydrator. Hi, I'm here talking with Don Wiskin of HeartDrop.com. I understand that you changed the name of your product, Don. Yes, we did. It's now Extendivite, meaning to extend your life. Wow, extend your life. Everybody wants to extend their life. How is it made, Don? Well, Extendivite is made from herbs gathered from many different parts of the world. We chose seven of the heart and health-related herbs known to improve your health. Your heart drops have always kept me from feeling sick or run down, Don. Will Extendivite continue to do the same thing for me? Yes, it will. All we changed was the name. I'm here because at 42, I had a heart attack and the garlic cayenne drops gave me back my life. We have been talking with Don Wiskin about his exciting new product called Extendivite. To get your Extendivite, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit his website at heartdrop.com. That's H-E-A-R-T-D-R-O-P dot com. On air, online, and on demand. We are the GCN Radio Network. This is Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We have Gary David joining us this week. I'm Gene Steinberg. If you're in the Paracast, Chris O'Brien is our co-host. And we are exploring lots and lots of really interesting stuff because we're talking about legends of sky people, about their presence, and you were talking about this mountain. Let's continue. Yeah, the uh, I, I was going to uh, drop a bombshell here. It's, it's certainly Please, cost, we uh, need one because after we had <laughs> that kind of letdown about having arsenic aliens instead of phosphorus aliens, and that was oh, all yeah. it was about, you know. Well, you know, the, this this was a controversy that came about a, about a decade ago when uh, you know this this one uh, archaeologist named Christy Turner came up with all this forensic evidence of uh, archaeological sites in the in the southwest that showed evidence of cannibalism, um, and um, you know he had pretty strong evidence that uh, you know bones were chopped up and sawed, you know human bones were chopped up and sawed and like they were being prepared for food. They even found in a, a place called Cowboy Wash, which is in uh, southwestern Colorado, they found uh, what's called a coprolite or a, a fossilized uh, human feces with uh, human myoglobin uh, in it, which is uh, a protein that's only found in human muscle or heart. So the, the person who deposited this uh, feces at this site uh, definitely ate uh, human being. So there's, you know, some evidence that uh, cannibalism did occur, and perhaps that's why these people at Chaco Canyon had, you know, uh, were taller than the rest because they had uh, a better protein source. Uh, it was a human protein that they were oh, consuming. Boy. So, and in this, you know, of course, this enraged a lot of the a lot of the Pueblo people, the Hopi people, saying, you know, we. Uh, we weren't cannibals in, in the ancient past. And, uh, you know, I think, th- I think that's right. That's not part of the Hopi tradition. 
But uh, it's it's my understanding, and I think uh, Christy Turner uh, put forth the idea that a group from Mexico migrated north and kind of terrorized the Southwest during this period, during you know the the eleventh um, century, and they they took over Chaco Canyon, and it was kind of a uh, they gathered tributes of of uh, goods and and food. And if if you didn't comply with their wishes, they they, they ate, ate you. you. <laughs> so, you know, and that's it's, rude. And th- thus you have all these these you know Hopi uh, kachinas, which are, look really fierce. You know, I saw one of these kachinas in a in a dance up on the on the reservation, and this this really really tall being with these huge uh, huge mouth and these uh, these goggle eyes, real bug eyed kind of creature with his wild hair and these these huge teeth and and he was carrying around like a foot-long butcher knife you know i mean this guy is not anyone you want to mess with so they have these these um they call giant kachinas that um that are still depicted at these dances and so you know they form part of the hopi legend and supposedly the, they, they used to carry off children. If they didn't do the parents' bidding, they carried off these children and ate them. So you have this kind of grisly side wow. <laughs> to, the, to the legends of, uh, so, of this. So, so if, if you got an invitation to come over for dinner, you never were quite sure if you were the main course or not. <laughs> well, you had to you had to make sure that you gave enough uh, you know gave enough corn to the to the rulers to the elite rulers in in Chaco Canyon. So uh, that you, now was that, that something you, like you tell your kids? Listen, if you don't obey mommy and daddy, we're going to send the creatures out to eat you. Or do you think there's some basis for some of this? Well, you know the Grimm's fairy tales are, are pretty grisly too. You know, uh, the, you have these giants and witches eating, you know, children. So, you know, I think this is part of it to, just to uh, to keep the children in line. But uh, you know, it's a trusted way to of, of child rearing, but uh, kind of kind of out of step with the way we look at child rearing today. But you know, the, there there were these traditions of giants, and uh, you know, they found. Uh, you know, David Childress has written about uh, the Lovelock Cave in Nevada, where they found these red-haired giants that are like seven, eight feet tall in in this cave. And supposedly, they, the Paiute Indians uh, they fought with the, this giant race. So, you know, this these might have been actual creatures that were roaming in the Southwest in in ancient times. Wow, there are quite a, quite a few um, stories about giants in in the in the historical uh, sort of legends and myths of, of the Southwestern peoples. But one of the things that I've always found uh, quite intriguing myself is that a lot of these stories, you know, and some, some of our doubters on the Paracastle go, oh, well, this is just a bunch of, you know, it's an oral tradition. Uh, stuff gets twisted and bent out of shape over time, and the stories change. And one thing that I want to remind our listeners is, when these medicine societies that are responsible for passing along this sacred knowledge, when they pass it along, it is note by note, word by word, and there is no variation in it. They are, they are taught to memorize these stories and these songs and chants with syllable by syllable, word by word. So, you know, I still worry about this because I remember, and this is silly for people like you who have been exposed to this, but, you know, hear me out. Okay, I remember the test that the late Steve Allen used to do on his TV show, where they tell a joke to 10 people. Number one, here's the joke. 
he or she repeats it to the next person. After it goes through 10 generations of oral presentation of a very simple joke, the final version has no resemblance whatever to the original. So how do you keep these intact? Can you really train people to follow syllable by syllable for 10,000 years? Well, Gene, I think it, I think it's cultural, like Chris was saying, that you know these people. Uh, this is part of their culture to be an oral culture. You know, in, in the in the written world, this is you know hard to uh, hard to have the story stay the same. We're used to writing things down for it to be the same. And but you that, know, with twenty four seven cable, you can listen to three cable networks and be totally confused because they have all different versions of what really happened oh yeah yeah but if you write something down in a book you know you you have uh you know it's kind of set in stone you know the ancient people the hopis the zunis they didn't have this sort of uh, they didn't have books so they had to keep these stories you know it was a very precise way of you know passing along the stories passing along the ceremonies in just the right way, you know. If you if you fail to do a ceremony in the proper manner, that means that it won't rain. That means the corn won't grow. That means that you starve. You know. So I understand li- that, but are humans capable of that linear accuracy? Well, you know, you, you think back to Homer, the the blind poet who who was uh, an oral an oral poet. You know, poets learned that poem, the Odyssey and the the Iliad, and they could recite you know one you know thousands, hundreds and hundreds of lines one after another. This tradition, the oral tradition, uh, this was you know very strong back then, and we was kind of lost. The, uh, how to do this? Our memories are not that great. They used to be much better. We used to be much better at remembering long passages of poetry or or, or literature. But you know, and this was the same. The stories that the, that the ancient people told, the Hopi tell these stories. And of course, there are going to be variations. One village will tell the story in a different way because the Hopi are not uh, monolithic. They have they're a collection of of clans that have come together at this one place, and they call themselves collectively the Hopi, but they all have slightly different versions. I think each clan tries to be very precise in in remembering a story the cer- a certain way and remembering a ceremony in a certain manner so they can perform the ceremony and it will be efficacious and will do what it's supposed to do. We'll get into the ceremonies, the meanings, but more important, the star people and what the prophecies mean, what all this means to us in the present day, in the 21st century, whether there's an impact to our real lives here. We'll have to explore this further. Gary David is the guest. The book is out now, your latest one? It's called The Kivas of Heaven, Okay. Ancient Opie Star Lore. Okay. And we'll also talk about a TV show you're going to be on next year. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in The Paracast. Are you ready to order the official Paracast t-shirt? You asked, we answered. We're now taking orders for the official Paracast t-shirt. It comes in white, 100% cotton. The front of it features the same logo that we have on our community forums. On the back it says, separating signal from noise. To order the official Paracast t-shirt, here's all you have to do. Visit our new online store at store.theparacast.com. 
One more time, that's store.theparacast.com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t-shirt. Hey neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store store.theparacast.com. I'm concerned about food for my family in the event of an emergency, and I know you are too. Are you ready? Don't wait for an emergency to happen. Put a plan together now with quality dehydrated food from Ready Reserve Foods. For nearly 40 years, Ready Reserve Foods has been in continuous operation canning the finest in dehydrated foods. Other companies just broker canned foods. Ready Reserve is the manufacturer controlling quality from start to finish with double enameled cans and nitrogen packing for maximum shelf life. Ready Reserve offers a balanced selection of fruits, vegetables, dairy products, proteins, and grains. Choose from a variety of pre-selected units or order by individual can to customize your own plan. When you purchase from Ready Reserve Foods, you are buying factory direct at wholesale prices. Call today for a free catalog, 1-800-453-2202 or visit readyreservefoods.com. Call 1-800-453-2202. Ready Reserve Foods. Factory direct. Wholesale pricing. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common-sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. Energy. This world has so much energy, yet our bodies are lacking. What if you could tap into something that gave you more energy? What if you could drink a beverage and receive more energy? Well, Life Change Tea is your answer. Our number one compliment is people receiving more energy. And our product is all natural and no caffeine. And think about this. If you have more energy, you get more done. <laughs> what a concept. If you are desiring more energy and a healthier lifestyle, it's time to drink Life Change Tea. Our name hints to our success. So here's how to order. Call us, 928-308-0408. Again, that's 928-308-0408. Or you can log on to GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. And remember, there's only $3 shipping on your complete order. Again, more energy, more success. That's GetTheTea.com. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You've entered another dimension. You've entered the Paracast. Thank you. 
Unsolving Shin Mysteries All. We're looking at them to see what has traction, what might be real, what might not be real. Just a tall tale, a fairy tale. Gary David joins us. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Fascinating lines of questioning, Chris. Let's take this further. Go ahead. Well, one of the things that I remember distinctly uh, last year when I went up to the Shalico um, ceremonies, which last um, the, the better part of a week in December up on the Zuni Reservation, one of the questions that I asked uh, Clifford uh, was how they were able to maintain such incredible precision and accuracy in the handing down of the traditional chants, uh, prayers, and, um, and stories. And he said that one of the ways they do it is they skip a generation. It's the, it's the grandfather's generation that, that tells it to the grandchildren. And then the father's generation tells it to his grandchildren. And so they leapfrog through the generations down into time. And this is one of the ways that they're able to maintain this incredible precision and accuracy in these stories. Now, of course, there are, there are different medicine societies, there are different Kachina societies, there's different clan societies. And as Gary pointed out, we do have some variance, I think, from tradition to tradition. But I think by and large, you're, you're dealing with a, with a culture that's very invested in accuracy. You mentioned, Gene, before the break that we were going to talk about uh, some star people, uh, legends and stuff. Uh, Gary, one of the stories that has always intrigued me, kind of going back to your, your comment about the uh, 70s wave in Prescott was um, the involvement of the Hopi elder Dan Kachamba. Do you want to uh, talk about him a little bit and then maybe dovetail into some of the prophecies? Yeah, he's he's the one that, uh, one of the ones, one of the elders, uh, Hopi elders that have brought the prophecies forward. Some of the end time prophecies, you might say, the Hopi end time prophecies. But, you know, like I say, he he's one of the ones that went to Prescott, Arizona in 1970. And uh, he um, witnessed some of these craft uh, hovering around uh, Thumb Butte. And there's there's kind of an Internet rumor about, you know, he died in 1972. But supposedly he uh, his body was never found. He was last seen walking up a canyon where a UFO had been sighted. So and maybe this is just kind of Internet stuff. You know, you, you, it's hard to say. But, um, you know, that's that's the rumor, uh, you know, about him. But, you know, these these prophecies uh, have been coming forth since, like, the, uh, the middle of the 20th century. We've been aware, the world at large, I should say, has been aware of these prophecies uh, coming coming to pass in in 1958 there was a man named you know David Young he was a minister and he was driving around the uh, American Southwest and he picked up a um, an old Hopi man named White Feather and White Feather was from the Bear Clan and he said that you know all his sons were dead and um, that the, the the Hopi ceremonial cycle was kind of dying off, becoming extinct. And he wanted to pass on these major prophecies that he had foreseen uh, while uh, praying and, and chanting in the kivas, these these visions of, of the way the fourth world would end and some of the signs or omens that would signal the end of this era, the end of... Uh, end of an age 
he said things like there'd be huge beasts uh, come. Uh, they were sort of like the buffalo, except they had very long horns. That's one of the signs that the, the end of the age was near. And, of course, that, that happened in the 19th century in the American West when uh, the coming of longhorn cattle. Uh, he said that I mean, there would be spinning wheels with voices in them. That might be interpreted as, as covered wagons with the, you know, the spinning, spinning uh, wheels that um, you can see that, that kind of a, that a visual disturbance that uh, looks kind of like the wheel is going backwards. Another, uh, uh, snakes of or iron. Or trucks. <laughs> or trucks. Well, they, they, you know, one of the, the, uh, one of the prophecies of, of the native end times is that um, there'd be ribbons, uh, black ribbons spread ac- across the land. And there'll be horseless uh, carriages going across these black ribbons. You know, um, so that's, that's a pretty, pretty striking example of you know asphalt an asphalt highway. He, uh, White Feather said that there'd be a, a spider web strung across the land. A giant spider web will will be uh, spread across uh, across the landscape. Of course, you, you might uh, think of, you know, at first uh, telegraph lines and then maybe power lines or, or uh, telephone lines. And, and now, of course, the World Wide Web is, is a giant web that's spread all over the world. Um, he also said that young people with long hair will come to Hopi land to learn the native ways. And this happened uh, especially in the late 60s, early 70s, when a lot of uh, this is the, you know the counterculture people came out to Hopi land, and sometimes they were at odds with Hopi values and, and culture because they lived a rather libertine lifestyle, and the Hopi are, are a very conservative people, and uh, sometimes they they didn't mesh <laughs> with the with the Hopi ways, but. Um, at any rate, these these young people were were um, you know trying to learn the native ways, and this this has come to pass. Uh, one of the signs was the sea uh, will turn black. And of course, this past summer, two thousand ten, we we had the huge Gulf oil spill, and the sea turned black, and the sea indeed <laughs> turned black. So this these signs are all you know coming to pass that we're at the uh, the end of the fourth world. Okay, so oh. all these legends of the end times, it's not just amongst the Indian people, but all across the world, other religions, the same thing, end times. So are we again seeing this unified message from the same source? Well, I think you know, different cultures interpret it differently. Uh, you know, there are biblical end times and... Uh, from what I understand of, of Hopi end times, Hopi prophecies, they're they're very similar. All these these uh, uh, earth changes, tsunamis, uh, earthquakes, you know, these are were all predicted to be to come at the end times, and we're seeing this in a lot of different cultures. Uh, the Mayan culture, of course, has the specific date of. December twenty first, twenty twelve. That's that's the end time. The Hopi are not that precise in in uh, saying when the end time will come. Uh, some believe that we're already entering into the fifth world. We're very close to to um, to being in the fifth world. I have a friend uh, that lives up on Hopi, and he said that uh, he believes that the Hopi culture uh, ceremonial cycle will be extinct. 
at the end of his lifetime, and he's he's about fifty years old in his fifties. But by the time you know he his life is ended, the Hopi culture will kind of cease to to function as a ceremonial. This this whole mass of legends and and ceremonies we were talking about before uh, this will just come to an end because you know the. Um, the, the language is not being passed on the way it used to be passed on, and the ceremonies are not being done. And it seems like the whole ceremonial cycle is coming, is breaking down. And the Hopi, the Hopi see themselves as guardians of the earth. They keep the world in balance. And in fact, they have a, world, a word, Koyana Skatsi, which means world out of balance. That's the, the contemporary world that we're living in right now. And uh, their ceremonies were done um, in part to, to keep the world in balance, keep the, uh, the earth uh, functioning and turning the way it's supposed to, keep the weather, uh, you know, uh, keep the, um, the, the warmth coming to the land so they could grow corn and so forth. And this is all just kind of breaking down. You're having, uh, you know, early winters and, and uh, droughts and so forth. And it's, it's getting harder and harder to, uh, to, to be a Hopi up there and, and live in the traditional manner. So did the Hopi predict global warming? Um, well, they, they did pr- predict, you know, um, kind of the, the earth changes, uh, like uh, tsunamis and so forth, uh, earthquakes. Um, earthquakes, especially. The next, uh, the next cleansing, uh, according to Grandfather Martin of the Hopi, is going to be the earth shaking or flipping over four times when the warrior twins abdicate responsibility for holding Palulu Kang, which is the, the great serpent in the earth that, that, that keeps the earth in balance uh, in terms of, I guess, its orbit. Uh, when they let go, then Palulu Kang will spasm and the earth will flip over four times, according to Martin. I'll uh, tell you why we'll have to flip over if we don't do this right away. <laughs> or flip out, depending on your point of view. As I was going to say. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. Gary David's the guest. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in. The Paracast. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
Gary <laughs> David joins us on the Paracast this week. I'm Gene Steinberg. Chris O'Brien, who's the real expert of our dynamic duo on all these legends. You know, one of the things that this TV show is going to explore ancient prophecies is Nostradamus. Now, are you into Nostradamus, too? Uh, just uh, on a peripheral uh, way, you know, I'm, I'm not heavily into Nostradamus, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm more into the native uh, prophecies and, and, and that. But, uh, you know, I think it, it goes along with uh, what, uh, what the elders have been saying or we, we found out since like the mid-20th century when they started to come forth and talk about these prophecies because they, they realize that this this is the end uh, of an age and um, it's time to enter into a kind of a new world. And this this fifth world, it, there there are some good things about it. You know, I mean, it should be a world of peace and harmony and, and respect for Mother Earth, respect for the ways of the Creator. But there's going to be a, a time of purification yeah, why don't you talk about that in, in, in the return of True White Brother? Yeah, the, 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 uh, one of the signs, one of the end-time signs that the Hopi have seen is that a blue star kachina called Sakwasohu will uh, appear in the heavens. Uh, a blue star will appear in the heavens. And the, a particular kachina related to this blue star supposedly will take off his mask during a ceremony, which is simply not done. And you know it's it's rumored uh, that this has already happened. It's 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 hard to say, and it's hard to say what you know what the blue star is. Um, you know, there's some speculation that it was tail bop comet back in 1997. It had this beautiful blue tail on it. Uh, comet Holmes in uh, October of 2007. Uh, has been speculated as being the blue star. You know, it's it's hard to say what it is, but um, they say that after the blue star arrives, uh, a, a red star will also come, and it's a uh, paha sohu is the red star, and this is a this is a purifier. This will purify those that are not living in in the ways of the Creator. So I think humankind will be undergo a great purification period, and we might be in this already. You know, the earth, uh, we're, we're seeing huge forest fires in Israel just in the past week. We're seeing all these uh, earthquakes and, and tsunamis and so forth. You know, the earth is being purified, and, and the human, human race is being purified in order to enter into this, uh, this fifth world. Well, what about True White Brother? Uh, what do you know about the return of the, uh, the bringing together of the uh, the Hopi sacred tablets? Yeah, the 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 um, the Pahana, the the Elder White Brother, or uh, you know the True White Brother, you say, um, he's kind of like a, um, a Quetzalcoatl figure. Um, he was there at the uh, at the beginning of the age, and. Um, he took a part of the uh, st- a stone tablet, it's the Fire Clan tablet, and he took an edge of this tablet and broke it off and carried with it with him back to the east. So uh, in a lot of ways, he's like the Aztec uh, god Quetzalcoatl, who said he would return during the, the end of the age. Also like the Mayan god Kukulkan, the same same sort of figure as... as right, Viracocha. 
Viracocha, exactly. You have this. A lot of these native cultures have the same myth of this god coming, interacting with them, and then going back to the east, but saying that he will return at the end times to uh, to purify, you know, purify the people. And you know, he'll he'll come as he's said to come with a uh, a red coat or red red hat something something red is involved um uh, with his coming and this this might be you know part of the uh, the red star that's going to purify uh purify the people yeah either that or if palin gets in she'll probably do uh do a good job purifying uh, our sensibilities well that's a whole other matter you know the 2012 maybe that's the end of the Mayan calendar is is when uh, <laughs> Sarah Palin gets elected president that's that'll signify you the betcha end. <laughs> 2012 <laughs> why to ask you this Gary the 2012 Mayan legends any connection with all this stuff well the Hopi uh, had a trade network established with the Maya um uh, in fact um the Maya used to come up here and, and bring uh, parrots and macaws, uh, the birds, bright, bright feathered birds. And they used to uh, trade uh, for uh, especially turquoise because there are a lot of turquoise around the, around the Chaco Canyon area um, that were d- distributed there. And um, uh, so there was a trade network with the Maya. So I'm sure that the Hopi were were uh, in touch with the, the Mayan uh, way of thinking about uh, the end time, the end of the end of the age. Um, so you know they they undoubtedly had this um, had this similar belief that that the world, the fourth world, was was going to going to soon uh, soon end. And you know the Maya say it have an exact date. Um, there, there's uh, in my book, in the last chapter of my book, I talk about the only um, the only inscription that contains the date of the 13th Baktun, which is the end of the long count calendar of the Maya, and this is at a place called Tortuguero. Um, it means the land of the turtles. And on this inscription, it says, on this date, December 21st, 2012. Nine lords of the underworld will descend in darkness, and and this will uh, come to pass. And then, the, then the passage breaks off, unfortunately. So we don't have, you know, what's going to happen. But these nine lords of the underworld will descend in darkness. That that's kind of an ominous, uh, ominous forecast. To, so uh, this, of course, know. is just a few weeks after the 2012 presidential elections <laughs> yeah that's uh, right. yeah that's um that's pretty ominous in itself you know um, <laughs> yeah we we had uh, don alejandro uh came up he's one of the uh the few uh true mayan timekeepers uh from uh, the highlands of guatemala one of the few that'll travel and um he got in front of this uh big audience uh at the creative life center here in sedona of all these new agers and and he literally was laughing at everybody saying oh you white boys think you got it all figured out and that you know what my prophecy is and and all this he goes it's not going to be an exact day where it could happen tomorrow it could happen you know in three years four years we're in that time period yeah. but he gave a very cryptic warning he said if one day you wake up and the sun does not rise 
He said, close your windows, lock your doors, and no matter who comes to your door or window, do not let them in. And he said that the, the, there will be 48 hours of darkness. So yeah. there's a little clue for y'all out there. Y'all. That's, um, that is pretty obvious. There's another and clue for y'all. The walrus was Paul. <laughs> All right. So I think, you know, the people who look for physical realities and physical evidence. So how do we nail this stuff down? We have the prophecies. We have the Bible. We have Nostradamus. We have the Hopi, the Zuni, and all these legends. How the heck do we nail it down? Well, you have, to, hammer? You have to go intuitively, I think, Gene. Uh, you just, whatever your, you know, uh, you know, expertise is or your interest is, you know, my, mine is uh, specifically, uh, you know, the, the Hopi of the American Southwest. But, you know, if you want to follow, follow biblical traditions or Hasidic traditions or, you know, Nostradamus or some of the other uh, prophets through the ages, that's, you know, you got to you got to follow it because there's no there's no set uh uh, map that you can follow to get us through this this time period. It's, it's except just, uh, the similarities with what all these races claim. Remember to check out our forums forum.paracast.com forum.paracast.com. Please sign up, but more important, get involved with our friendly crew over there. We have Gary David. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. For 58 years, fate has provided true reports of the strange and unknown. Fate brings you the latest in all aspects of the paranormal, like angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, and much, much more. To receive your complimentary fate magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Hi, this is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. 
Becoming a modern smoker is now easier and more cost-effective, thanks to LeSig. Traditional smokers the world over love LeSig. E-cigarettes with a look, feel, and taste of real cigarettes, but without the nasty smoke, ashes, or stains. LeSig is powered by revolutionary microelectronic technology. A small, rechargeable battery and unique replaceable cartridge provide all the satisfaction and benefits of smoking without the smoke and all the hazards. See the large variety of LeSig e-cigarette supplies and accessories at LeSig.com. That's L-E-C-I. LeSig is competitively priced, comes with the best customer service, a 30-day warranty, and satisfaction guaranteed. What a great gift idea. For a 10% discount, mention GCN when you call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Ask for fast, free, same-day shipping. Order online at LeSig.com and use promo code GCN at checkout. That's L-E-C-I-G.com. LeSig, for today's modern smoker. Attention shoppers, please stay in line. You must be scanned and searched before entering the mall area. Attention, you must disrobe and pass through the scanner at mall security before entering the building. Hey, most GCN listeners know that the future of Christmas shopping may quite well be that scary. And while we're not there yet, as shoppers, we still face terrible traffic, crazy lines, and even crazier shoppers. But this year can be different. You can still opt out of the craziness and do your shopping off the grid by going to offthegridchristmas.com, where you'll find our new Christmas video featuring an amazing assortment of truly hard-to-get gifts. Gifts you simply won't find in stores. These are gifts that can help anyone on your list become better prepared for the hard times ahead and here's the best part prices have been slashed until december 15th this year opt out of the lines you won't get fined you'll get great discounts on all kinds of off the grid gear by going to off the grid go to off the grid that's off the grid are you tired of searching for great talk radio something more important search no more we are the gcn radio network We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com. We're in the final few segments of our session with Gary David, and he's someone who became intrigued by the American Southwest since going there 23 years ago, and he's looking for evidence of all sorts of unusual things. Chris O'Brien's a co-host on the Paracast. I understand, Gary, what you're saying in terms of following our own path, but if all of these legends came from single sources, there has to be one path that diverged but they still take us to the same destination. Well, I'm, I'm not sure whether it's, you know, uh, multiple sources coming through the ages or waves of different entities coming down to Earth uh, at different times, giving different information to different cultures. Like I said, I don't think there's a, a one source that disseminates everything. Uh, there might be another, you know, a number of different entities coming through. You know, the ant people are different from uh, the greys. Uh, you know, different entities are, are coming in and giving us certain information. So you, you just kind of have to, you know, work intuitively and use your nose to kind of uh, sniff out what what which way the wind is blowing really you know it's a tough time to be to be to be alive because there are no 
set pathways that uh, you can take to uh, get to to the truth with a capital T. You know, there are a lot of a lot of truths out there, plural. But you know, you have to put put it together in your own uh, in your own way worldview and your own uh, way of looking at the uh, the cosmos and honor it and honor it. You got to follow your bliss, as Joseph Campbell said. You know. Well, let's look at what the physical scientists are going to call for here, though. Which is, okay, if E.T. was here, regardless of how it's interpreted, okay, let's talk about the core reality. How do we come back to that core reality in terms of archaeologists looking for physical evidence, traces of some kind of visitation, maybe the presence of such creatures today? How do we pinpoint that? Is it possible? Or are we left with just legends, prophecies, and the need to find our own direction? Well, you have legends and prophecies, but you do have this this physical record of of rock art, which I'm very interested in. These are uh, carvings and paintings on on um, cliff walls. You see some of these beings on these cliff walls. You know, I've seen some uh, just here in northern Arizona. They're very strange creatures, and you wonder these are not just fancies or imagination of of these people that they wanted to um, kind of depict a weird creature for no reason at all. I think that these were actual, you know, entities. It might be physical, might be interdimensional that they encountered in these early times and they wanted to put this in stone, to carve it in stone so they they could tell their their ancestors about what they were seeing. So it's not not merely legends past word to mouth, but we have a large record of of, uh, rock art, petroglyphs, pictographs that tell the story as well. Yeah, and we're getting more and more proficient at reading them, too. We had Ron McGuire on the program recently, and uh, he's he's writing a book, actually, that's uh, kind of a primer on how to look at petroglyphs and what some of the figures uh, mean. Um, he's done quite a bit of research with Native peoples and is assembling, slowly assembling a, a pretty much like a dictionary that mm-hmm. explains what these figures mean and, more importantly, how they're placed in relation to one another, which then conveys um, an advantage message or even a story. One of the things that I've always found uh, intriguing and compelling is that I'm pretty sure that Native peoples, even though they have told us a lot about their prophecies and their sacred knowledge, I think that they're holding back quite a bit of uh, information for whatever reason, probably because if they let it out and we found out about it, it'd freak us out, is my, my guess. But I think we need a disclosure project, like an exopolitical project to get the Natives to fully divulge some of the prophecies and I think they are holding some very important keys back away from the rest of the world. What is your take on that, Gary? That's for sure. They're they're holding back but they're divulging at the same time because there are so many different factions uh, fighting each other on a lot of different reservations but right now at the Hopi they're, they're talking about changing the constitution the, the Hopi constitution You mean like the Republicans that, and the Tea Party people? Well, yeah, it's it's that kind of struggle, but uh, yeah, that's the, a big deal right now. They're trying to take away the rights of individual villages for autonomy and and to uh, to govern. 
govern themselves, and they're trying to to bring it all together and have the tribal council, which is uh, uh, part of the Bureau of Indian Affairs, kind of rule over all the villages. And a lot of the spiritual elders that I've come across, they say this is this would be a very bad thing if it came about that that they'd lose their ability to govern themselves as a particular village. Where do you want to go with it, Gary? Like I was saying, the um, there are so many different divisions among the Hopi themselves. Some want to divulge, you know, some want disclosure of, of, the, of the Hopi prophecies and the entities that visited them. Uh, run into other Hopis that just clam up, will, will not speak. You know, they're very polite. The Hopi are always very polite people. But some of them do not want this information going out to the world at large. So there are different different ideas among the Hopi themselves. So basically, they want to be the beneficiaries of whatever wisdom there is and the heck with everybody else. Well, they, they have been exploited, like a lot of Native American tribes, for over a century. You know, there was uh, one, uh, I forget his name, one ethnographer in the early part of the 20th century that would just burst into a into a kiva unannounced and would just you know disrupt everything you know they've they've uh, endured a lot of these uh, uh, anthropologists coming to their reservation and trying to just study them like they were just uh, they were the the last of the of the tribe the issue the last of the tribe you know uh, it's all the yeah, new age is coming up there yeah, going up there and and just you know and started in the, in the late sixties, early seventies, just just trying to oppose their own uh, lifestyle on the Hopi and 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 not really trying to learn from them, hang out with well, them, I guess. And cherry pick but, their knowledge for their own purposes. Exactly, and you see a lot of that among the New Agers. The it's a smorgasbord of uh, of wisdom from from various cultures, and you know the Hopi don't want to be a part of this. You know they 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 don't want to uh, just divulge their knowledge and have it warped I've seen you know I've seen uh, various television programs that have you know, kind of warped the Hopi uh, way of thinking and the Hopi knowledge and just sensationalized it you know they don't want to be a part of this this kind of ex- exploitation of their culture and you know it's understandable well one thing that I must say and I, I, I do urge all our listeners to pick up Gary's books the Orion Zone you know, the Kivas of Heaven you also have a very interesting book on the Masonic, the apparent Masonic underpinnings of the uh, of the town or the city of Phoenix, Arizona, which is probably a subject of a whole show right there. I mean, gosh, that book is a mind blower as well. But you mean but there's again, something earth- here that I should know about? Oh boy, Gene, you're right in the middle of it. And if we told you, I don't know. I don't know if you could handle it. <laughs> yeah, the Phoenix is a Masonic city, and um, you know I found uh, a Masonic worship site right next to a, an ancient Hopi site, which is you know near Winslow, Arizona. Believe it or not, so the Masonic influence is really strong here in Arizona, and that's in my book, Eye of the Phoenix. Um, you can get all that, all those um, through Adventures Unlimited Press, also uh, online at Amazon and and the different bookstores, so Barnes & Noble and so forth. So forth and so on. Gary David joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. Chris O'Brien is the co-host. You're in The Paracast. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, are devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, 
special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. Is it really possible to get out of debt without payment plans or attorneys? 18 years ago, we developed a program that has made thousands debt-free in just 90 days. It's called Zero Debt in 90 Days, and it works for all credit card debt, medical bills, even collection lawsuits. When I first joined, I was being sued, so I used the program methods... And after filing one piece of paper, the collection lawsuit was dismissed. With zero debt in 90 days, your success is guaranteed in writing. There is no other program of its kind. Don't be alone when creditors gang up on you. Let our team of experts provide the resources to fight back and stop creditors in only 90 days. Guaranteed. Prevent wage garnishments, bank levies, and stop collection calls with our proven program. Call Zero Debt in 90 Days now, 800-477-9256. And ask for free information from an expert who also completed our program. 800-477-9256 or ZeroDebtGuaranteed.com 800-477-9256 or ZeroDebtGuaranteed.com Where have all the military surplus stores gone? Don't worry, you don't need one. Because everything you need at Military Surplus is at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com, one of the last surviving true military surplus stores in the country. Go online now to MainMilitary.com and discover a source for hard-to-find surplus items at true surplus prices. Surplus gun cleaning kits as low as $2.99. Complete chemical suits as low as $11.99. See our huge selection of gas masks, filters, and accessories. Finish and M10 gas masks are three for $30. And Swiss filters are three for $12. Searching for Strike Anywhere matches? MainMilitary.com has them. Plus a whole new product line of survival and first aid kits and lots more. Get free shipping on orders over $50 only at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com. Or call 877-608-0179. 877-608-0179. MainMilitary.com. The main name in military supply. Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. Why Ali C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Ali C has been scientifically proven in double-blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Ali C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Ali C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Ali C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com for your Ali C today. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. You're in the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. From the Hopi Indians himself, 
Elder O'Brien. No, it's the Irish Indians, I think. Hey, it's the Paracast, it is. And it sounds like you're doing the talk like a pirate, you know. Arg! Arg! Yeah. Well, mm. supposedly the, the pirates in Skull and Crossbone, they were, uh, they were Templars and Masons. Hey, you know, I'll ask about that. You raised the question, if anybody has any wisdom about that. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Paracast. Gary, so have you explored the Masons, the Templars, all these strange societies out there? Well, I, I've explored it in terms of, you know, the American Southwest. There was a fellow named Daryl Duppa. He's buried in the Masonic section of the Pioneer Cemetery right in Phoenix, Arizona. And he's, he's the one that named Phoenix, Phoenix. And Phoenix is a mythological bird that rises from its ashes and has a lot of Masonic resonance with the symbol of the, of the Phoenix. So, you know, this has come into play very early. Uh, the Goldwaters, of course, were uh, Masons. Barry Goldwater was a Mason. This is very strong in the in the Phoenix area, in the Prescott area. And like I say, there there are Masonic symbols carved in the rocks of uh, of northern Arizona, and you can you can see these. Oh yeah, give us some examples. That's interesting. I bet you well, people like didn't I said, know that. This one site, uh, you know, has um, a, a Venus symbol and a kind of a a, a lot of Masonic uh, symbols right next to a Hopi ruin site. That's a small Hopi ruin site near Homolavi ruins, uh, near uh, Winslow, Arizona. The Masons went out there and, and built their a worship site and they erected a huge uh, Christian cross you can see it from the interstate if you drive along I-40 this huge cross on top of a mesa and you go up there and there are these all these columns that they had uh, erected and this this huge amphitheater that they they put up and this was uh, done in the 30s the 1930s but you know it's very strange because it's right next to this this ancient Hopi ruin site with a bunch of these uh, these petroglyphs, these rock art symbols, uh, the checkerboard symbol. There's a checkerboard, and of course the checkerboard is um, is found on every Masonic temple in the world. You know this uh, that's a, a primary uh, symbol of. Well, the Hopi say it's the Milky Way, but uh, you know it's it's light and dark, and and the struggle between light and light and darkness as far as the Masons are concerned. Hmm. Well, Gene, so what do you think of them apples? Well, I don't know. I just want to kind of get to the bottom of this and nail it down. And the other question would be, of course, with all the people who are looking for some kind of disclosure about UFOs, about some kind of endgame realization of what all this means, where can we take this? Because we're down to the remaining, you know, 17, 18 minutes of this episode. And I know our listeners are going to look for some kind of endgame. So what kind of endgame can we acquaint them with? 2012, maybe it's going to happen. Maybe it's wrong. What? Well, you know, 2012 is just one day, and I don't think the world is going to end on that date. You know, some people think that we're in a 2012 era you know, we've entered into the era, and, and it lasts about 30 years, when the winter solstice sun aligns to the galactic axis or galactic center. Uh, and this is the first time it's happened in 26,000 years. But it's, you know, it's uh, a period of time, uh, 25, 30 years, that we're, this change that will take place, you know, gradually, not... not uh, you wake up one day and the world will be totally changed. You know, it's it's an ongoing process uh, throughout our lifetimes, and 
and you just have to, like I say, follow your own nose, follow your bliss, and uh, just try to try to find what interests you in in various uh, uh, native cultures that have this early wisdom. Uh, in the Masonic tradition, you can research that, and you know, you learn about um, uh, the Phoenix or Phoenix Rising and so forth. So, um, you know, it's well, um, most importantly, you got to do your own research. You have to get motivated. Sure, shows like this can expose you to really wonderful, thought-provoking topics. But you know, we we're only licking the tip of the iceberg here, listeners. And and you really have to dive in, read the books, do your own work. Don't pretend like you know just because you. You've uh, licked the, the iceberg. Uh, it doesn't work that way. You really have to dive in. Gary is a really, I think, a shining example of a highly motivated individual that does really well-researched work. And there's no substitute for that. And I, I really want, at this point, I want Gary to know that I really appreciate all the hard work that he's done in this archaeoastronomical subject uh, area. And and I think it's important for people to really get themselves up to speed. Don't you think, Gene? That's why we have the, the Paracast forums, right? Discuss it to ask the questions, but also understand you're not going to get the physical reality when you expect it. Generally not. Yeah, you, you have to. You know, I follow my own obsessions. You know, like when I discovered, uh, you know, a, a dozen years ago, when I discovered this Orion template on the Arizona desert, I said, that's amazing. It's just like, uh, just like in Egypt. Except, except it's even more precise in certain ways than the Egyptian Orion correlation. You know, right here in Arizona, how did that happen? And how did the Hopi know this? And, you know, I, I just w- was, uh, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what's going on here with this obvious, you know, it, it can't be, you know, I don't think it can be a coincidence that the uh, Orion constellation is projected on the Arizona desert in the form of all these villages that line up where they're supposed to be. You can go to my website, theorionzone.com, and click on a link called Maps, and you can see this correlation between Orion and the ruin sites and village sites that the Hopi have, have laid out on the desert, on the Arizona desert. And it's just astounding, this 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 uh, correspondence between the two, between the earth and the sky. So, you know, I'm, I'm just have been obsessed with this kind of, it's almost a quest to find out, you know, how this was done. So there you go, Gene. Okay, well, you satisfied everything for me. Now I know what to do. But I guess the big question is whether I could look in the skies and think that E.T. is going to come down there, or can I think that with all the tens of thousands or possibly millions of UFO sightings, whether the proof is going to be coming? Is the story out there, the truth out there? Are we going to see proof? Are the ETs going to be back? And that's, of course, part of the legend here. Are we seeing just them communicating with the spirit of ET, maybe in another dimension or something, that the physical presence is no longer here? Well, uh, you know, I think that the physical presence has manifested right over the city of Phoenix, you know, the Masonic city of Phoenix with, you know, in 1997, the Phoenix Lights. And, uh, you know, our former governor, Fife Symington, swears that this is an extraterrestrial craft that, you know, he saw, personally saw. And, uh, in fact, uh, I just missed, you know, I'm probably the most unlucky UFO. Uh, yeah, flew observer. right over you. <laughs> no, listen, right folks, I house. was living here, and the Phoenix Lights occurred, and I was at home in my office writing a book about technology. Nothing to do with UFOs. 
So I didn't see it either. I missed the whole thing. And, you know, well, this is something, by the way, I mentioned with Leslie Kane about Governor Fife Symington is, yeah, you know, first he makes a joke of it. Then he says it's real. But, you know, the guy was basically thrown out of office for legal reasons, you know, <laughs> and had to be pardoned by former President Clinton. So, you know, the guy is not really white. Well, you know, thousands of people did see the, the Phoenix yeah. Lights. You know, I missed seeing it by a couple minutes. I was out in the yard playing with my daughter and her, her playmate, and we went inside, and, and they were playing chess, and we, I didn't have any radio on or anything. And it, it flew right over the town of Chino Valley, where I live, uh, and then it flew down to Prescott, and then very quickly flew down to Phoenix. Yeah, and it but, flew right over, it went right down I-10, I was in a motel watching the NCAA finals that night. I had just been out looking at Hale Bop. I went inside and it evidently flew right over the motel. <laughs> and yeah, I you, missed it. It was at its lowest people point. Did see it, yeah. Yeah. Because it hovered uh, over Indian School Road and you know, what Seventh Avenue or something like that. Right. It hovered there for quite a while, and th- you know, thousands of people saw it, and, and hundreds videotaped it. But you know, I missed it, and you know, some of my neighbors saw it, and they said they were very scared because it was so big that the, the craft was so huge. Going across the sky. I'll tell you what, we'll go into the craft and all the other stuff in a moment. Gary David's our guest, Chris O'Brien, the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Are you ready to order the official Paracast t-shirt? You asked, we answered. We're now taking orders for the official Paracast t-shirt. It comes in white, 100% cotton. The front of it features the same logo that we have on our community forums. On the back it says, separating signal from noise. To order the official Paracast t-shirt, here's all you have to do. Visit our new online store at store.theparacast.com. One more time, that's store.theparacast.com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t-shirt. Hey, neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store store.theparacast.com. Question, what would you rather drink, acidic water which burns holes in your body and causes loss of bone mass, or alkaline water which promotes high energy and vibrant health? The answer is clear. And if you're drinking acidic water, you're helping cancer cells and bacteria to grow out of control. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals. Using Plasma pH Drops is the best way to alkalize your water and help you get rid of acid and regain your health and energy. Simply put 10 drops in the water you drink to raise the pH to a healthy alkaline level. Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. Disease organisms like bacteria, viruses, or cancer cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops now by going directly to AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or by calling 269-409-1776. Again, 269-409-1776. All types of batteries for all types of gadgets. We'll say it again. 
all types of batteries for all types of gadgets. Electronics, toys, flashlights, computers, accessories, and more are at BatterySTation.com. Whatever type battery you need, alkaline, lithium, gel cell, NICAT, metal hydride, sealed lead acid, and more are at BatterySTation.com. Our homepage gives you quick access to ham, marine, police, fire, and aviation batteries. Plus, choose from our great selection of LED flashlights with no bulb to ever burn out and much longer battery life. Find many top brands, including Streamlight, Pelican, Surefire, Novatac, Gerber, and more at BatteryStation.com. You'll also find the most popular brands of ammunition and watertight cases for storing guns, food, electronics, survival gear, and more at BatteryStation.com. Call 417-257-7799. That's 417-257-7799. You will be surprised when you visit BatteryStation.com. In a coming-apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. On air, online, and on demand. We are the GCN Radio Network. You've entered another dimension. You've entered the Paracast. And by the way, some of you have asked about what happened to Nicholas Redfern, one of our co-hosts. Well, he's been involved in a big project, not involved in any way with UFOs or the paranormal field. But he also has a new book on NASA conspiracies, so he'll join us real soon now. We're going to be wrapping it up soon with Gary David, looking into ancient mysteries and how they might impact us in the present day. I'm Gene Steinberg. Chris O'Brien's the co-host during the Paracast. Let's look at this further. Okay, so we have the Phoenix Lights, just another UFO case, though, or do you think it signified anything more? Uh, it might have come from Area 51. You, you, you never know. It, it came from that direction. It was first sighted in Henderson, Nevada, and then it was next sighted in, in Paulden, Arizona, five miles north of me, and then Chino Valley, and then Prescott. Uh, a pilot at the Prescott Airport said he saw this craft. Uh, he was in a small Cessna or something like that, and it and it took up the whole windshield of his of his airplane, you know, in in size. You know, that's how big it was, and then finally zipped down to uh, to Phoenix in a matter of minutes. Where you know it takes it takes you know an, at least an, over an hour to get down to Phoenix. From, uh, it takes two hours to get down to Phoenix from where I'm at. It went there in just a, a matter of minutes down to Phoenix. So it's hard to say whether it's one of ours, one of ours, uh, you know, uh, black ops. 
ops projects uh, from Area 51 or whether it's extraterrestrial. I don't know. I, I, I haven't if it's one of that. ours, I know why the Cold War is over. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. That, that so so be. you don't think it had any real major, uh, let's say, uh, uh, important sort of prophetic uh, importance or anything like that? It would just happen to be a big old ship happened to trot out over the fifth largest city in the country. Thousands of people saw it. And, uh, and then it just disappeared down by Tucson somewhere. You know, well, you know, the Hopi say this, this is part of the the end of the fourth world where these, these craft will start appearing in the heavens at a greater pace. So we're seeing these all the time. Uh, certain people are. I'm, I'm not, but I'm kind of unlucky that way. And, you know, it's it's part of the, the Hopi prophecy to, to see these things. You know, whether, my, my, whether my screenplay has an ending of the... Uh of a Native American elder on an Indian motorcycle riding up a ramp into a flying saucer and it takes off. That's my big ending. <laughs> Chris, oh, I blew never it. Oh, I should have given it away. Oh. This is a spoiler. you got to change the ending now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like Indian motorcycle. That's, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's actually pretty fun. I, that's what I've been working on today, so it's kind of stuck in the backside of my, my frontal lobe here. All right, let's look at some of the things you've been doing and worked on. Now, all these legends you've talked about, you've talked to the Indian elders and everybody else, Gary. What kind of actual work have you done in trying to nail it down yourself and doing your research? Well, you know, I've, I've, meant, I've spent a lot of time up on the reservation uh, going to Kachina dances and, and talking to, to various people, uh, talking to uh, Grandfather Martin, who's, who's from Haute Villa. That's the third Mesa. Um, he's uh, one of the last remaining spiritual elders uh, up on the Hopi reservation. Uh, he's in his 80s now. And, um, you know, he's, he's very interested in what's going on in the world today as we speak. You know, he's a traditional elder, but, you know, he also likes to go see uh, the movie Avatar. I heard somebody took him to the movie Avatar, and he's <laughs> he got a big kick out of that. Uh, but, you know, so he's kind of in both worlds, you know, trying to, to disclose some of, the, some of the information that he knows about and uh, about the... Uh, you know, Prophecy Rock, which is uh, up on the reservation, and another uh, petroglyph right beside it, which looks very much like uh, a um, a saucer or a or a craft, um, a, you know, some kind of uh, flying shield, as the Hopi call it. You know, it looks very much like this. Uh, so, you know, he's trying to to divulge this sort of uh, thing. Um, but there again, the Hopis, you know, some you talk to, they, they, they clam up right away and they won't, they won't say anything about, uh, the traditional right. ways. Um, so you, you more or less, if you go up to the Hopi reservation, uh, there, it's a very welcoming place and there's a, a motel up there you can stay at and you, there's a, a traditional restaurant on, um, on Second Mesa you can go in a small museum. So I would suggest that people just go up there and just kind of, Look around. Don't you just put your camera away because yeah. uh, they'll take your camera and uh, they won't give it back. <laughs> yeah, oh, no so basically no they are wary about us. Oh yeah, there are some signs outside of villages and saying no white people allowed. You know, <laughs> you know you've you've seen that at the uh, at the Kachina dances. You know, you, yeah. So the sacred dances are, are off limits to on, on on some of the mesas. Yeah. So they yeah, basically the want to go around saying that maybe they're the one true people. 
that they're exposed to the truth and we don't care about the rest of them or maybe because the white man abused and basically exploited the Indians? Well, I think it's the latter, well, really. You know, it's uh, they've been exploited yeah. throughout the years. They have they, been. They're uh, they're barely hanging on up there. And it's a rough life. It's you know, it's cold in the winter and very hot in the summer, and it's it's a struggle to survive in the in the traditional way. And uh, you know, to have these these white people just coming around and pestering them when they're trying to get their work done, or they're trying to do the planting and so forth, that's it's always a problem. And they're just tired of of you know new agers coming up there and trying to exploit the the culture for their own uh, gains. You know, it's like when Richard Pryor was asked, "How come uh, African American men uh, are sometimes seen holding on to their junk?" And he goes, what you mean? The white man doesn't take everything else. And it's, it's about the same with Native American traditional knowledge. I think a lot of Native Americans have just had it with people coming up and cherry-picking them for, for their sacred knowledge. And they're just, not, they're just not there for that. And they really want to hold on to what little they have that's their, truly their own. And so I don't personally foresee any time in the near future where – the most important of the sacred traditional knowledge that I'm assuming is there being held secret. I am not seeing this uh, being released until it's probably going to be too late. And uh, one thing that, that has always uh, kind of piqued my curiosity with uh, Grandfather Martin is he carries around this very interesting Aztec um, stele um, on paper. And he unfolds it, and he describes that the Aztec knew of the Hopi prophecies, and he's able to, to show you in the, the, the pictorialization of this thing uh, what the prophecies are. And at the very end, which depicts now, there's a, a flying saucer hovering above the scene. And I just couldn't help uh, but notice that. And he volunteered. I didn't ask him. He volunteered, and he says, and, and this, is, this is a watcher. I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, you know, the craft that, that, that you see up in the air, the, 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 you know, I said, like a flying saucer. He goes, yeah. And I said, well, why are they here? And he says, they're just watching. And I said, so they're not going to come here and save us or they're not here to, to punish us or anything like that. And he goes, no, they're just watching. Hmm, so, that's interesting that uh, he uses the term watcher because that's yeah. the biblical term, you know, that the, that the Sumerians used to, to talk about the Anunnaki, the, the watchers yeah. from the sky. Yeah. You know. He said, they're just watching us, basically. <laughs> hey, so, before we watch anything else, we are looking at the watch, which says we're going to have to leave very soon. Gary, David, tell us more about the stuff you're working on and maybe some public appearances we can check out. Well, uh, I'm going to be on uh, the show Decoded on the History Channel. I, I believe it's January 20th. It's a show about prophecy, about uh, native prophecy, as well as Nostradamus. So you might uh, check uh, check your local listings there. Um, I'm I'm working on uh, some new stuff about uh, hopefully about the Grand Canyon and some uh, some structures that that I'd like to investigate further uh, near the Grand Canyon. Uh, so uh, the the work is ongoing. The you know the the quest is is. Uh, it's it's eternal. It's uh, an obsession of mine that, uh, and I'm living here in northern Arizona, so uh, you know I might as well try to to get to these places. Well, I think I'd like to travel up there sometime, maybe go on a guided tour with you and our co-host Chris O'Brien to see what's really going on. I don't like mountains, by the way. Chris O'Brien, where do we find more of the stuff that you're working on and do? 
Well, I have a website. It's OurStrangePlanet.com. It is a strange planet. It's Our Strange Planet. And uh, you can find out about all my books and my entire database is there from my years of investigation in the San Luis Valley. And I want to thank Gary and invite everybody to go to the OrionZone.com to check out more of his work. And Gary, thank you so much for being on the show. This is really a cool show, man. Thank you, Chris. And thank you, Gene. I, I enjoyed it. My pleasure. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.